On this episode of Inside MusicCast, we welcome one of the greatest voices in the history of popular music, John Anderson. I looked out in the night, strange and startling, was this voice of time to say there's got to be a linking of everyone, got to be the center, it all comes flying by. And you and I could cross in the shapes of the John Anderson, the original voice of Yes, has been creating music for close to five decades and shows no signs of slowing down. John is currently on the road with Jean-Luc Ponty and will soon reunite with Rick Wakeman and Trevor Raven to create more Yes-inspired music. But that's only the beginning, as John's musical spirit is filled with galaxies of music with his best work yet to come.
Inside Music Cast is honored to welcome a music legend, John Anderson. Hey, John, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Good to hear you, man. Hey, you know, I've, I've been wanting to connect with you for so many years, and I'm extremely honored to have you on the show. And I know our listeners appreciate you taking uh, some time out to spend with us, too. And, and speaking of time, I know we don't have a lot of time today, and, and so I want to focus on topics, you know, not exclusive to yes. I, I'm sure that there's no question you've been interviewed countless times in the past, and I'm and yes is typically the focal point, I'm sure. So today I want to chat about recent and upcoming projects and other various topics about you. So uh, let's start off with a, a recent project that I've grown to really love, and that being your connection to Jean-Luc Ponty and the album DVD you released as the Anderson Ponty Band. And, you know, you and Jean-Luc go way back to the 70s when, I, you know, he was part of Mahavishnu Orchestra, and I know Yes did some shows with them, and uh, the two of you talked about teaming up even way back then. And, you know, of course, years have passed, and you finally reconnected a couple of years ago. And how did you reconnect, and how did you manage to, you know, carve out time out of your busy schedule to focus on this project? Well, I'm always very interested in developing ideas and being adventurous. Mm-hmm. I was working with a friend up in Oregon through the Internet. We work on MP3s to each other all over the world with different musicians. And yeah. he contacted Jean Luc to perform on a piece we were trying out, and he did, and I got back to Jean-Luc, and uh, very simply, I sang so- on some of his music yeah. and just sent it to him and said, mm-hmm. what do you think? We should do something now. Yeah. It's like 30 years ago we met in, the, in 77, I think it was, when he was playing in Mavishnu Orchestra. Yeah. So he said, yeah, and uh, we went up to Aspen, got his band together, did a rehearsal for three weeks, put on a show, yeah. made an album, and that was it. And it was like meeting my, my brother. He's such a brother. (laughs) We're very, very similar on many levels, and uh, he sings with his violin. Right. And uh, his voice, his violin, my voice with him is just uh, special to me. So that translates when you make an album. That's when you do a show, you perform. Right. And it always translates to the audience that, hey, we're we're having a good time. Yeah. We hope you are. Exactly. Well, the album that was Jean Luc is appropriately titled "Better Late Than Never," and it contains you know a combination of songs of yours and his. And uh, tell me about the decision process for the songs that you opted to record for the project. I mean, I'd also love to know about the experience you know you had with Jean Luc in creating these new arrangements. Well, it was very simple because mm-hmm. we were going to put on a show. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people buying tickets. Uh, about a thousand people came to the show each night. Yeah, and basically. You want to give them, uh, you know, songs that they know, like yes, songs, of course, and his classics, mm-hmm. plus the ones we wrote together, mm-hmm. and the uh, new songs we wrote for the for the project. So you're going to do "Out of a Lonely Heart," you're right. going to do "Roundabout," and you and, and you and I came later. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. when we were on tour, we started performing "And You and I" with a tribute to Chris. Oh Clark. yeah, nice. And that was a very momentous occasion on tour. Yeah. You can evolve uh, the show as you go along. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the great thing about working with uh, Jean-Luc. He's very flexible, and his musicians are very jazz, rock, fusion. Right. They can do some African music. They can do some Tibetan music or Indian music for uh, Long Distance Runaround, which is one of the songs that we do on tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we did. We put an, a show together and put it on a DVD and a CD. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. It was well shot. It sounds great. And um, the tour continues with Jean-Luc uh, through the spring here in the States and, and I think some parts of Canada. And, you know, 
your point a second ago is that you know you you kind of mix things up in terms of your set list. But do you guys uh, do you guys change the show each night to make it interesting for yourselves, or is it pretty much the no, same show? I think like anything, once you've got, uh, it's like putting on a musical. Right. <laughs> sure. Once you've got everything in order, you stick to it. Yeah. Because the the, the challenge is to create the order that works for mm-hmm. the audience and the band. And once you've got that, like I always do with Yes, once you've got the order correct, yeah. you stick with it throughout the tour. And now and again, you might throw some new things in yeah. for a bit of fun. But, uh, you know, it's an ongoing relationship with the Jean-Luc. We're talking about working this summer on a project for next year. Uh-huh. And uh, very open-minded person, and we're, it's very adventurous on many levels. You just mentioned the band a second ago, and it's a... And it's a Extremely talented band, and uh, it's that's it's mainly Jean Luc's band. Is that correct? Yeah, these guys are ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> they're so good. Yeah, they are. They're so sort of grateful for, for what they do. You know. Well, hey, John, if you don't mind, I do want to pause for a second because I'd love to play a track from your Anderson Ponty band album titled Better Late Than Never. And this is the Yes track uh, titled Time and a Word, and it kind of has a little reggae twist to it. From our guest today, John Anderson on Inside Music Cast. Went to Jamaica, you know the story. I don't remember much about it, but I think I had a real good time. 69. So Bob Marley, Bob Marley. Things in perspective You gotta spread the news 
spread throughout social media recently regarding um, a newly formed collaboration between Rick Wakeman, Trevor Rabin, and yourself. And I've, I've read that this new, uh, that new music is in the works and possibly a tour. And how much can you share with us about this at this time? Well, I just know it's great music. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I was with uh, Trevor last week. He just finished a long project uh, called 12 Monkeys. I think it's a TV series. And uh, that drove him a bit crazy, making all that music for the last six months. We got together last week, and uh, we actually put together the format for the album because we've been working on music for the last three months. Okay. Sending uh, MP3s to each other, same with uh, with Rick. So we have the format for the for the concert idea and the album idea. Okay. We might release it in three parts because okay. it's a long, there's some long music in there, long form music, which we enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And the, the last time I worked with Trevor together was uh, an album called Talk, which I loved yeah. very much. And uh, I actually stayed at his house and 
for about three weeks and we put it together in his studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going through the same sort of process now, uh, 20-some years later. Yeah. And uh, 25 years later, would you believe? And uh, I'll be with him in June and July finishing off the project and then mm-hmm. probably going on to in the winter, spring next year in Europe. But USA possibly later this year. It's uh, a lot of discussion going on, but the music is projecting the idea, and that's the main thing, that we want to do something very, very different, mm-hmm. very, very... We don't want to be, well, let's get together and do the old stuff. Right, you know? yeah, exactly. We don't want to do that. But what we want to do is we want to revamp what, yes, to us, through right. years. It's like I'm going through a sort of very strong... Uh, affirmation that I had, yes, in my DNA for 35 years, it never left me. Right. And I have an album coming out with a guy called Roynia Stock. Yes, yeah. Uh, in June, and it's a very, very sort of, it's, it's so full of yes energy, yes music energy. And so I'm very excited about the future. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting that you guys are getting back together again. I know, um, you know, a good portion of Yes fans are interested in this. Of course, people who follow your music individually are, are really looking forward to this. And you just mentioned uh, Rain Stolt and uh, your new album called The Invention of Knowledge. It's going to be released on the 24th of June. I think that's on Inside Out Music. And this collaboration seems like, you know, a perfect fit. You know, his music is, is very reminiscent of Yes. It, you know, it's very intricate. It's inspiring. It's and beautifully arranged. And, you know, tell me about this experience with, with, uh, with Rowan and how the two of you uh, first connected and, and decided to make an album together. Okay. Well, actually, I was listening to it uh, in the car yesterday, realizing uh-huh. it sounds like we're all in the same studio when we're recording. It just sounds so unique to me. Right. And we recorded everything through the Internet. Right, right. We met him two years ago on a, a boat, uh, sort of, uh, what do they call them? Prog rock boat trip from oh. Miami to Bahamas. Right, yep. Those, those kind of big boat things. Yep, the cruise. And uh, I was doing my solo show and meet and greet and a lot of people. And uh, then I met Transatlantic and I actually did some uh, songs with them at the end of the tour, um, the boat trip. And uh, right. that's when I met uh, Ranya. And uh, we got on very well. And that's when uh, a record guy, uh, Thomas from Inside Out, who's a big Yes fan, uh-huh. and you guys together would be so cool together, together. And I say, okay, give me a call. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah. Because I'm just busy, you know? Right. And uh, lo and behold, within a month, uh, we got, I started sending him music and having listened to what he has done before, I realized he's a very good producer. So I just let him go ahead and do some of the music, develop the music, and I'd send him songs that I actually wrote maybe 10 years ago okay. that I always felt were part of a large-scale work. And uh, there's uh, a 23-minute work, 19-minute, uh, 16-minute, mm-hmm. and 11-minute piece. So that's how, you know, it's we're inventing ourselves as we go along. That's mm-hmm. why Invention of Knowledge came through as a, a good title. Perfect title, yeah. Absolutely. I, I've listened to a lot of his music, both with Transatlantic and uh, his solo work. And you're right, he has a lot of epic uh, tracks. You know, they're yeah, 25, very 30 minutes long. Yeah, and very, very interesting musician. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, obviously I haven't heard the album yet, but I wanted to ask what we might expect to hear from it. And, and tell us about the musical territory. It's wonderful. It's just <laughs> it's My wonderful. My next step into the next life of 
my next 20 years of music, are, you know, some people asked me the other day, so what are you going to do next? I said, this is the time for my great music. Mm-hmm. Because it'd be stupid if I make music and say, well, it's never as good as, uh, you know, Course to the Edge, or it's not going to be as good as anything I've done. No, you always think the next music you're, you're doing is, is just perfect. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Yeah. I agree well, with you that. wouldn't do it, you know? <laughs> That's right. So my gr- the great work is coming. Yeah, because you created close to the edge doesn't mean you can't do it again and, and make it better, you know? That's true. Well, it's it's an involvement, you know, in, you know, without close to the edge, we wouldn't have topographic oceans, we wouldn't have done veiling, the, the ritual, uh, we wouldn't have done gates of delirium, we wouldn't have done awaken. Right. And in, even mind drive was the last one we ever did in... Mm-hmm. Uh, very early, late twentieth century. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but Mind Drive is still a great work. It is. And uh, I was listening to it the other day because we want to incorporate it mm-hmm. with our work with uh, a piece of music that uh, Rick Wakeman has uh, come up with, which is a very okay. similar sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. So we might mold them together for the show. The idea is to, you know, be adventurous. And why not? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Hey, well, will the two of you tour, maybe do some live shows in, in uh, connection with this new album, Invention of Knowledge? We talked about uh, next summer doing some special events. Uh-huh. Um, it's very hard to know. But when I, the more I listen to the album with Ronya, uh, the more I think this would sound beautiful with a full orchestra and a choir mm-hmm. and a, a lot of musicians and uh, some incredible graphics and some incredible... Um, because originally, most of the, the songs were written for an idea for an installation. That we are constantly reinventing ourselves on this wonderful planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And the new inventions that are coming via the Internet, the computer, animation, we are really reaching such an incredible rediscovery of so much of our future, mm-hmm. if you like. Yeah. So we went through the Industrial Revolution, and then we, now we're going through the technological revolution, yeah. and it's bringing us closer to incredible events like uh, holography, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit like, uh, you know, we're living in the science fiction world now. Right. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, the, 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 I was thinking about this a couple of months ago, that the new flying cars will be drones with, you know, basically drones, electronic drones, mm-hmm. cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I saw one on the front of the uh, New Car Magazine the other day. I think I saw that as well, and I, I know what you're talking about. And that, I guess that makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll achieve that make at some sure point. Make sure it's electric so it doesn't make a damn noise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the new, the new uh, NASA have come up with this new uh, propulsion system based on uh, magnetic force connected with uh, laser energy. Uh-huh. It's got nothing to do with uh, sitting in a tin can. <laughs> you remember that song? Yes. David yes. Here I am. Yes. <laughs> we were all, of course, concerned about, as fans of yours, were concerned about your health a decade or so ago. And, and in fact, I heard you mention in an interview um, that you, you know, you nearly died a couple on a couple of occasions. But sure. But since then, you've you've generated, you know, so much music and so much that a large portion of it, you know, you haven't released. And tell me about your your mindset, musically speaking. I mean, after your health improved and post yes. I'm sure you treated this as a new beginning and a, and a fresh start, right? Oh, of course, yeah. I, well, I've been working on so much music, and mm-hmm. then I got very sick mm-hmm. uh, through the internet. I was working through the internet with so many people yeah. around the world, 
because I put an advert on my website, Musicians Wanted. You're right. And uh, so many people sent their music, and I connected with so many people and realized that there is this incredible uh, avenue of music that I'd never even thought about doing, the very ethnic, very storytelling and stuff like that. So I've opened up this incredible big door to a new world, musically speaking, and I'm running very fast and creating so much music for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand part of that is, is you have several symphonies in the works, and, and most of them you've been creating for many years now. And can you tell us about these works, and you know, will they see the light of day in the future? Well, yeah. The, the symphonic work is uh, it's an incredible process. Uh, I wrote the symphonic piece about 20 years ago, and it still sounds good. So, And it's all in demo form. It's keyboards yeah. and uh, very ready to be performed by full orchestra when the time comes. And then I wrote a piece for the idea for a choir and singing with an orchestra. That That's something else that I was working on. And, uh, and so many different kinds of orchestral pieces, generally working on keyboards. Yeah. So you, you, you create them. And even uh, about uh, two months ago, I started writing on a different level Mm -hmm. than I've ever, ever tried before. Mm -hmm. And so I've sort of broke through a barrier, musically speaking, in my mind anyway. And uh, that will take another two or three years to evolve correctly yeah. until that time comes when I can get together with the right people to be able to produce it correctly. Yeah. Uh, as I said, working with Iranya on invention of knowledge, this is, these are songs that I wrote 10 years ago with people a guy from Liverpool, Neil Campbell, um, a guy near Philadelphia, is uh, Dan Spolin, and, and another guy who lives nearby here, uh, Christian, uh, who I haven't, se I haven't seen them for, gosh, eight years or mm -hmm. so. And it's, it's fun. You make music with people with Ronnie Stoltz. I've only met him twice. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're making music that is very, very, um, very warm and real and, and uh, alive and fresh. Mm -hmm. You think the world is a studio now? Yes, no, you're right about that. It happens. A lot of people we talk to on our show, you know, uh, they all they you either have to adapt to the technology, or you just have to, you know, be disappointed in in, in knowing things that aren't going to be the way they were in the past. And uh, you know, you're right. I think there's a lot of good. There's a lot of positive um, elements that can come from making music together this way. Well, the great music is is coming. Mm -hmm. The great music. Mm -hmm. You know, not just pop music. Pop music's fun, mm -hmm. but it isn't the great music. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the 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 heavens are it's full. The galaxies are full of great music. We're going to be traveling the galaxies soon. You better believe this. You know, mm -hmm. our grandchildren will definitely be. Yeah, opera is another uh, part of your repertoire, and I know you've. I, I read somewhere that you've been working on a project, and I love the subject matter. It's it's Bill and Hillary Clinton. Is that right? I know. Is, tell well, it's, it's a very simple idea. Yeah. Hillary gets to become president, and, and she has a visitation the, the first night she sleeps in the White House. Uh -huh. She has a visitation from all the children from Vietnam that were killed and, and, and destroyed, and all the, all the children of the wars and all the children of the, the incredible, terrible uh, uh, destruction of the Native American mm -hmm. culture. Right. And they come to visit her. And they sing to her and dance for her, and she eventually becomes this uh, very 
evolved woman with this within the space of one night. So she goes and starts speaking to the to the press the following day, and they freak out because she starts to change the world. That's really interesting. And how far along are you on this on this project? Is this? Uh... Oh my gosh! Uh, well, I, I actually wrote uh, with a, with this guy uh, Jeremy, and uh, it's been very hard to pin him down. But uh, we we wrote probably. Uh, three quarters of the work, and uh-huh. then I, I couldn't I couldn't find him. He never wrote back to me. He had another life going on, yeah. and it's kind of bizarre that things happen that way. I actually sent a near finished piece to a company in uh, North Carolina because they were interested in working on the project. Uh, that was this is about seven years or six years ago. Mm-hmm. It was when she was running for president against Obama. Oh right, right. Yeah, and, you know he. You go through these things and try these things out, and if it happens, great. If it doesn't, hey, it wasn't meant to be, mm-hmm. or it will happen when it happens, you know. Recently, I was speaking to a friend, and I told him I was going to be uh, interviewing you. And um, and I w- was talking to him about these symphonies that you're writing. And his reaction was, wow, that's that's very cool that he's attempting to compose uh, symphonic arrangements. And so, you know, I thought about that for a second. I kind of countered with, you know, but, you know, really, you've been doing that your entire career. You know, your compositions with Yes are... You know, they're equivalent to the works of great classical composers, which I've I've always wondered how, you know, your journey in music began when, you know, you found your voice. Well, it's a very mysterious thing to talk about, to be honest. Yeah. I, w- I, was, I was in the middle of uh, Munich. Uh-huh. I was in the middle of uh, the English gardens in Munich. Uh-huh. And I was pretty well wasted um, <laughs> in 67. Mm-hmm. I had... I'd just seen Jimi Hendrix okay. perform, and I was very, I would say, a little bit emotionally confused. Okay. Because I'd started to hear music, and I, I couldn't explain it to the guys in the band, so they threw me out of the band, or, well, they told me to go away <laughs> in short, jerky movements, as Rick Wakeman would say. So I left the band in Frankfurt and went to live in, in Munich, and I was really spaced out. Right. But I could hear all this music, and uh, I was in the middle of this beautiful garden, and a voice came to me and said, John, everything's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry anymore. Everything's fine. And I went running back to the apartment that I was staying in, and there was a telegram from my mother, and it changed my life. And I still hear the music. What was the telegram? What did it say? There's a band in Frankfurt wanting you to be the singer in the band. Okay. And that changed my life. Wow. And somebody wanted me. And how old were you at the time? 23. So this is, pri- this is prior to yes. This is prior to even the And war. then I went to London after three months with the band. Then uh-huh. I went to London. And then within three months, I met Chris. Wow. That's and I was still hearing all this music. Mm-hmm. I hear it every day. Just came to you, yeah. That's incredible. Well, Life is wonderful. Well, you, you mentioned your mom, uh, but you know, you, you didn't necessarily come from a musical family, or did you? Did, were your parents musical? Oh yeah, my my dad was a, a radio DJ for a while, and oh, okay. it, him and my mother were ballroom champions of North of England, and uh, there was music everywhere. And he played the harmonica. Uh, my uncle played the spoons. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very interesting thing. And so I was surrounded by music since I was a child. It was just one of those 
things I never thought about. And I was named after a very famous uh, music hall uh, singer uh-huh. who is called John Roy the Melody Boy. Interesting. My name is John Roy Anderson. Yeah, right. I knew that, but I didn't realize that you were named after uh, John Roy the Melody Boy. Yeah, it's, That's cool. it's a music hall, typical English music hall singer. Well, hey, John, let's take one more quick break, and uh, I do want to play one more track from the Anderson Ponte Band album. Uh, the album is titled Better Late Than Never, and the track we'll play here is a Yes track, and this is Wondrous Stories. From our guest today, John Anderson, on Inside Music Cast.
this is kind of moving on a little bit, but I, I heard an interview with you last year with a Chicago radio DJ, and I can't remember his name, but he, he asked a question which garnered a response from you that was not, not necessarily surprising, but it, I, was, I was a little you know, caught off by your answer, but, he, but I completely understand it as well. He said his question to you was if you, were, if, if you were to introduce someone to Yes who knew nothing about your music, which song in your vast catalog would you play for them? So I was listening on a, a, online, and so I pressed pause. Because I want to take my own guess, and I had a feeling you wouldn't answer, you know, with any of your more, you know, your more well-known tunes. So I crossed out just about every track on that classic Yes compilation, and I narrowed it down to "Close to the Edge," "Siberian Katru," and "Awaken." And I I chose "Awaken," and that's how you answered. And you know what was unfortunate during that interview is that uh, they didn't give you the opportunity to explain why that particular track was your choice. And I wondered if you can answer that for me. Well, it's a wonderful work. It's one of my favorite pieces of Yes music mm-hmm. that I was involved in helping to create. And right. I performed it uh, with the Icelandic uh, band and orchestra about three years ago and realized how wonderful it truly is. Mm-hmm. It and is. every time I perform it, I am in on cloud number nine, I think. It's just something well, about that music. It's got energy from the Far East and the symphonic energy and very surreal sort of uh, mystical energy. It's got so much uh, classic ES work within it. It's, uh, it's a very special uh, event musically for me. And I think for thousands of people around the world who actually saw us perform it. In that particular song, the, the last three and a half minutes is, to me, is like pure sonic magic. And it's, you know, it, it, it kind of resolves in the final two minutes. And I, it really sweeps you away. You're, you know, your angelic vocals, the, the swirling synth, you know, Chris's pulsating bass there at the end. And it makes you feel like you're, you know, you're floating in some heavenly place and you don't want to come down. And if, you know, if I have any one complaint about that song, is, it's, it's that it eventually ends. And, uh, you know, I could, I could, I could actually spend an entire show breaking down on this one song, but I just wanted to hear your summary of the final lyrics of the song, you know, the, like the time I ran away and turned around and you were standing next to me. And, right. Yeah. I think I mentioned it earlier that I was uh, sort of lost in uh, Munich at a certain point in my life. Right, yeah. And at that moment in time when I was totally lost, there you were right next to me. Mm-hmm. That's happened on many occasions where... I'm on stage doing uh, the song Awaken, and uh-huh. I feel this incredible presence of energy, and it's from the audience. It's like, they're getting it, we're getting it, we're all getting it, we're, where does this music come from? Yeah. We were so privileged to be able to help create it, and so on and so on. It's like a majestic piece of music. It definitely is. Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. And it's, I've been listening to it the past couple of days thinking about this interview, and it, it doesn't leave my, my head. It's, it's still there. I sing it when I'm walking up and down the hall. And, but, um, you know, another thing is you're often asked about religion and spirituality in, in a lot of interviews that I've, uh, that I've uh, read and, and have listened to about you. And, and I've always been on the same page with you in regard to, you know, your philosophy about how many rivers lead to one ocean. And it's, you know, it's a perfect analogy, you know, to how all religions are essentially aspiring to one God. And, you know, if, if, I don't know if you've read this before, but if you've ever read Neil Donald Walsh's book, A Conversation with God, you'll, you'll find a similar sort of ideology in that book. And it, and it really changed my outlook on life. And it spoke, you know, to me about how I've always felt about life and who God really is. And, and much of your music has really been an avenue for you for your spiritual relevance as, as well. Yeah, you grow as you get older with a state of consciousness as to what you believe 
to be around you? What is the divine energy? What, what does it bring to your life? How many people are touched by it and constantly touched by it all over the world? Mm-hmm. It's not, not a, a very singular thing. It's a collective thing. We are all one, so we're all connected to it on many different levels. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it is. It's a very mystical, wonderful knowing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier in the interview that, you know, you've, you really embrace technology and use it to your creative advantage. And, and in fact, your last solo album titled uh, Survival and Other Stories, you invited musicians from all over the planet to participate uh, by sub- submitting their own music. And you must have received so many submissions. And how did, you, how did you go about weaving their music into your perception and ideas of your own music for this album project? Well, it was kind of simple in a way that if someone would send me a minute minute of their music, I'd say, okay, send me more. And they would send me more music, and uh, if I connect with the music, I'm going to sing. And I write a song, and I send it back to them, and they embrace it and add some uh, production to it. And there we are working together. I don't know who the person is, but I know his music (laughs) works for me. And uh, that in itself is a sort of magical time when you don't have to think anything other than making music together, you know? Yeah. And uh, when the album came together on uh, survival and other stories, the idea was to use all these uh, songs that I've been writing, and it's like uh, a dozen of a hundred songs that I've been writing over that first sort of six-year time period when I was working with uh, people through the internet, and I, I was actually working on a piece this morning from a guy that I met in Canada who actually lives in London, and he's a reggae master. Okay, <laughs> wow. He's sending me these wonderful reggae tracks, and I sing them, and uh, we've got a collection of seven or eight songs now over the past three years, and one day they'll come out. I don't know how or when, but uh, I know that it's inspiring to me to sing about uh, so many different things and uh, with so many different combinations of music, mm-hmm. even mid- Middle Eastern music. I'm working with a, a guy who lives up in San Francisco. And uh, we've written quite a lot of music in the last few years. And uh, I just bumped into a local person here who works as a percussionist in a, in a sort of ensemble out of the uh, local university here, Cal Poly. Uh-huh. They have a 20-piece, uh, yeah, 12 singers and 12 musicians uh-huh. doing Middle Eastern music. So I'm going to get together with them and probably produce a, a project with them for next spring, next year. Because it's, it's an ever-opening... <laughs> yeah. Music is like that. It'll take you on so many journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a second ago, you said you've, you've worked with these people, a lot of them you've never met. I actually know one of the contributors to, the, to that album, uh, The Survival and Other Stories, is, huh. and uh, he's a mutual friend. His name is Ryan Fraley. And oh, Ryan, yeah. Really beautiful, wonderful uh, orchestrator. Yeah. Well, he, a great musician. He lives here in my area. I'm, I'm from Indianapolis. And, uh, okay. And, uh, yep. and I actually met him on online as well. And in fact, you supplied vocals on a new arrangement of a Yes song, uh, It Will Be a Good Day, The River. It's that, a good day, yeah. Yeah, for his album. I doing sort of uh, variations on many Yes songs as well, acoustic versions of Yes songs. And this is an all part of the collection of music that eventually will come out. Yeah. 
And my mantra is, it'll happen when it happens. Because people say, when's it going to happen? I said, when it happens, basically. <laughs> well, did you get to hear the, the final result, the final pro- uh, mix of, of, his, uh, of his track that he produced for his yeah. band, Wave Mechanics? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it turned out really nice. I loved what he did with uh, sort of the big band horn section there. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. A couple more thoughts here, and one is Chris Squire. And, you know, you've, you've been asked many times, I'm sure, about your thoughts about his passing and your final contact with him shortly before he left us. But uh, tell us how Chris's music, his personality and his friendship, both in good times and in difficult times, helped shape you as an artist. Well, that's what I said to him just when I knew he was sick and I sent him an email saying, uh-huh. without you, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So I've got, I've got to tell you, you know, thank you so much mm-hmm. for everything you did for me. There were so many times when I'd be rushing headlong into an idea and he would sort of pull me back and say, let's try it this way. Uh-huh. And I would say, okay, <laughs> why not? And then it was the right way. Yeah. So there was this wonderful to and fro with me and Chris. As you mentioned, the end section of uh, Awaken, it was always going to be a sort of repeat of the first, uh, one, two, three, third stanza which were these uh, wonderful chords that Steve had created, and uh, up-tempo, uh, workings of man set to ply out historical life, we regaining the flower of the fruit of his tree energy. Uh-huh. That was going to come at the end of the solo, but Chris said, let's do it in half-time. Oh, okay. As soon as they played those chords half-time, uh-huh. I started singing Masters of in- Images. Right. Songs cast a light on you. Of course, my whole world changed then, and I, I got to... Thank Chris for that. And it happened so many times. Yeah. Well, it was you two from the very beginning, and, and uh, you guys made so much great music together. And it's and I, I actually wanted to mention that last summer I went to go see uh, the Yes Toto uh, concert tour that was that was going on. And uh, and uh, I'm a big Toto fan as well. I know a, a bunch of the guys in the band. And, and uh, but I was so excited to see Yes because I hadn't seen them in such a long time. But um, right. and, and you know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't go on record as saying this, but but I just felt like the spirit wasn't there without you and Chris on stage. And and I I know you get asked no. this you get asked this a lot, but I mean, is is there ever a chance you may might reunite? I know it's it's a it's a trickier question than it is you know it is to answer. But uh, um, is the, I mean, do you want that? Would you like to be back with them again at some point? It depends who them are because I know right. that uh, yeah. I'm working with Trevor and Rick uh, now. Right. Yeah. In this process of life, you go through so many changes, sure. and uh, I just go with it and see what's going to come yeah. at the end. And uh, uh, an obvious time could become when Steve and Alan mm-hmm. uh, could join us uh, on yeah. stage or something like that. Or it's hard to say because. Uh, Stephen Allen are the only people that I worked with. Well, I, I, I hope to see that in my lifetime. I'd love you to see You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never, never know. Well, just in wrapping up, uh, I have to admit, you started it all for me in terms of my first concert experience. I saw the 90125 tour uh, here in Indianapolis, and that was my very first show. And, of course, it blew me away. And uh, I, re- <laughs> I really loved your opening act, which – I, I think the lead singer of Berlin was supposed to – they were supposed to be the opening act, and instead you guys showed Bugs Bunny cartoons. And Totally. That was my idea. I thought, well, <laughs> let's entertain them with some cartoons. <laughs> I think they liked really? that. I think the yeah, crowd loved it. Yeah, probably stolen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, uh, in one of these days, John, I want to meet you. I hope to shake your hand someday because I'm a huge fan and I, I don't really gloat too much when I interview uh, musicians, but you're one of my heroes and I just wanted to say that to you. Thank you. I wish you well. Take care and, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. Special thanks to John Anderson for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Loretta Sassaman, Scott Sheriff, and Don Brightup for their continued support and content development for Inside MusicCast. Inside MusicCast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside MusicCast. She brings the sunshine to a rainy afternoon She puts the sweetness and stares it with a spoon She watches for my moods never me down. She puts the sweetness in